Hey, hey, welcome to Bonus Barrel. I am wrong. With me is... Seiji. No Shelby. Uh, no left. But we have a guest. And so we're going to go right into hard-hitting questions with this guest. Uh, because we were trying to just figure out how to pronounce his name. Uh, and I'm going to determine that through the questions I have first before he just tells us. Um, so based on the answers to these questions, I should be able to determine which pronunciation is correct. Bass guy, lover of fish. Bass guy, lover of uh, guitars and music. It's not a guitar, but you know. So first, first question to you. What classification order does the bass belong to? Why are you attracted to this species of fish? I, I don't fish, so okay, I don't guess. know. Check there. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a persiforms or a perch-like fish. Uh, next question. Describe the make of an acoustic bass guitar. Um, what, what do you mean? Like, how is it, how's it constructed? Um, so... There's usually an acoustic bass guitar that's a little different than as yeah. opposed to electric. Um, it's yeah, a good sign. It has, um, well, it usually has like some sort of hardwood um, body. Yeah, sort, nice. Sort of thin, thin mahogany or um, <laughs> sides and uh, bottom, and then mm -hmm. usually spruce top or spruce or maple top, and then the. Yeah. Next, usually made of maple and or and the fretboards made of uh, rosewood. It could be right. heavy if it's really fancy, and then maybe okay. a bunch of frets, or it could or it could be fretless. Um, you gotta you gotta have frets. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next, next question. That's a good. That's good. This is helping my research. What's your favorite type of pattern on a bass? What's your favorite bass? I like the striped bass. Sure, we'll go with that. All right, so yeah, I'm very confident in that answer. All right, next question. Why do bass guitars usually have only four strings? Shouldn't there be more strings? Why not just use a regular guitar as it has more strings? I think it said more strings are the thing. Can you explain? Well, there are bass guitars that are come in all sorts of uh, uh, string configurations. There's a five string, which usually oh. has a, a low B, um, and then the Usually a standard bass, like you said, is four. Yeah. Four string. That's uh, so that's tuned E A D G um, on the strings. Um, let's see. So the so I believe the I'm trying to think. The, I think the low E is sixty hertz, and I think the low B is or no, it's I think it's. 50 or so I can't remember it's 50 or 60 and then the low B is lower it's like 30 hertz so it's just to give a little more bottom end when you on, if you have a five string usually okay. only two more questions as you know as you know there are three major types of bass can you please share them with the listeners no I cannot it's, uh, we were looking for black basses temperate basses and the Asian sea basses um, but that's, that's fine. Um, actually, uh, there's a couple more questions. So, when was the first modern acoustic bass guitar made? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, it's the mid-50s, so it's an 
it's uh, surprising we were doing so well with the <laughs> those questions uh favorite bass video game see i don't know i think i have one uh i think i have a bass fishing game for the nes i don't yeah. know <laughs> um, i i had written down sega bass fishing it's the only one i know uh and favorite base game um i don't know base wars <laughs> oh, is that was that a game i think so i would have chosen rock band that's an easy one so i can gather that you really like fish from all these answers so i assume that your name is indeed bass guy would you like to clarify now uh, what your name is and why you chose it so let's see i believe when i was 12 or 13 uh one of my i was starting to get into music and then one of my friends invited me to be in a band and they needed a bass player um so i ended up picking up the uh, four-string bass i think a, a yamaha a cheap yamaha four-string bass that i uh, uh start learning on and then um i think once around that same time we started using aol so that was so my um uh, so I, my AIM was uh, Base Guy Four. Yeah, that's think, old. Yeah, that's very old. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I think whenever I tell people that, they're like, they're surprised that I was able to get it, and I, it's just I've had it so that long. So there you go. So, so it really wasn't about fish. That's unfortunate. I was kind of hoping it was Bass Guy because <laughs> I don't feel like there's a lot of Bass guys out there getting representation. <laughs> All right, that was fun. Um, so I feel like we've learned a lot about you in this, this short time. So that's nice. Um, don't usually ask this kind of stuff, but since I haven't spoken with you as much, what kind of what kind of games and stuff do you like? Who are you? You're part of the Cartridge Club community, right? That's how we found you via the Cartridge Club Discord. Hey, anybody want to join our show? We're short-handed. <laughs> that's pretty much what it what it was. Please, please come on to Bonus We don't have anyone anymore. And uh, and then you you stepped up. You're like, hey man, I'll play Link's Awakening. I don't give a shit. And uh, now you're here. So tell us more about yourself as it pertains to games and your love of games and or uh, the gaming community that you're part of. Uh, so I joined the Cartridge Club. I think I found it through um, Yoshi. Um, mm. I don't know. He goes by Ben, and I I, I don't know. He's flip, he's flip flop between Ben and. Uh, uh, Yoshi, I think, but I found I think I was following him on I found him through another mutual friend on Twitter, and then yeah. I saw he was interacting with all you guys, and then I signed up I think in October first, and then um, I then I think I went on the forums and uh, I went on the forums, and I, I saw there's a forum post about the let's see about some of the con- upcoming conventions, and I was like, oh well, I'm going to uh, um, Portland, the Portland Retro uh, Gaming Expo, and then Dean chimed in and said, "Oh, we should come out and we meet meet some other members, and we'd love to see you." And then I think and um, that was pretty much how it started. And I get to meet all the Q, the Q dogs and um, uh, Ryan. Uh, it's Rocket Sauce, um, and D- of course Dean and, and some other people. Um, but I think. 
Sean sort of joked at the P1, he kind of joked as a ninja because he said he didn't even remember when I signed up, where I came from. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think my, I guess my, I guess for my love of gaming, I, I've, so I, I think uh, my favorite genres are probably action platformers and, and probably tied for that be, uh, Turn turn-based role-playing games, so sort of like your nice. Final Fantasy four um, was probably my favorite on the SNES. Um, but it's a good choice, I think. Let's see, so I have. I think I stepped away from gaming for a little while, but then uh, in high school, and because of music, and I came back to it in college. Um, so, and I think I hijacked my. Remember, hijacked my brother's. Um, uh, PlayStation to play. I think that was it. I think one of the Final Fantasy games. That I can't remember, but yeah. So I do a little bit of everything. I sort of haven't had as much time to play lately because I've been uh, doing a lot of. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff as far as uh, reselling, reselling stuff. Like I've gone to yard sales and resell stuff to sort of put into my collection, and um, I did some light modding. So. Uh, All right. So yeah, that's that's all I can think of right now. That's cool. Right on. So there we go. That's our guest today, and uh, eventually we're going to talk about the Link's Awakening, his topic. But before then, I guess just some random shit as we always do. I have to start things off with a minor complaint corner. Sagey, I got to complain about something. Yeah, my 3DS runs at a battery way too fast. You now it's it's depressing me. And like it, before, I feel like I could put my sleep, my 3DS in sleep mode for like days without it flashing angrily at me. But now it's like a whole, like a, like a night later, and it's like just freaking flashing, being aggressive. It's really, it's really starting to tick me off. What, what's up with that? Why? Why is it doing this to me? I don't want to buy another one. I was going to buy one of those Pikachu 2DS XLs, but uh, the last one was sold out a half hour before I got to the store. So I just gave up on that. So those ones are pretty cute. I'm just I'm just mad. I'm just mad that it runs out. Back in my day, the, the Game Boy Advance and the DS, you could leave those suckers on for weeks, even after owning them for years, and they would still be going. <laughs> I had like this this Mario. I remember I had Mario Kart DS in my DS, and I'm pretty sure it sat on my desk for like a month before I played it again. And it was still it was only in the red at that point. That's that's the quality that I expect. What do you think, Seiji? Am I right to be angry? But it wasn't on, right? Or was it sleeping? Or what? It, was, it was in sleep mode, you know? Like, it was on, but, like, shut. So, barely using anything. But now, even my 3DS is just, it's just, it's in sleep mode, just, just dying so fast. Uh-huh. It's upsetting. I think you have a good reason to be upset, but... Thank you. At the same time, I feel that the 3DS properly sleeps well... well where the DSs, they just kind of like kept going. They would just like turn off the screens or something. So oh, man. I don't DSs know. DSs last a long time. Okay. You get more battery power, more battery life, more battery length out of the DS. I mean, the Game Boy Advance, you couldn't sleep, but they would run on batteries for long ass times. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a, it's an upsetting time. This is the unstable times we live in when, when a 3DS can't even hold its juice for more than a day or two. Right? 
You guys have any complaints about games you want to get in this complaint corner? Now's the time. If we change segments, you can't complain for the rest of the show, so you better get it in out there now. Mm, no complaints today. How about you, base guy? Got any complaints about games? You mad about games? Yeah, you, you hate something? You hate the Xbox? Oh. <laughs> I just... I think I just picked up a 360 uh, arcade, for, like one of those four gig ones, and I think they had started to uh, flash a bunch of red lines across it. I don't know. If that's oh, classic. Not classic. the greatest build quality. <laughs> the early 360s had, had their share problems. I was lucky never to have a red ring, but I also never played mine enough to probably to have prompted that. Although I have the, like, you know, we make fun of the X-Bone. We poop on it. Uh, but the uh, X360 is a great system. I, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for it myself, but I know there's a lot of great games, and it was a solid competitor that whole generation. And then it stopped, I guess. Now it's the Xbox One. It's kind of... I don't know. I don't see the point of owning one. But I want to, though. I, I want to be sold on it. They shouldn't have canceled Scalebound. I wanted to play as blonde protagonist with uh, headphones on while he fought dragons. It sounds like something I would have drawn in high school. So, <sighs> all right. Well, that's the end of Complaint Cloner. I guess it's a happy time. Speaking of happy times, I've been playing. I still play a little bit of Pokemon Go here and there, and they added a friend system, Seiji. Uh-huh. Now you can send gifts to your friends and see what Pokemon they last caught. And you know, the gift can be anything. It could be an Alolan Pokemon egg. Could be uh, a potion, super potion. It could be a hyper potion. Could probably be a revive. It could definitely be a Pokeball or a Great Ball and or an Ultra Ball. I think that's it. But you know, it, it's any any combination of those things. Sometimes you'll get one Pokeball and two Great Balls. Sometimes you'll you'll get uh, j- just a potion and that's it. So it's it, it's a mis- it's a surprise every time. It's a, an exciting event, and then it tells you when when you uh, when someone opens your gift and how many things they got. So you're like, if they got like four things, you're like, fuck, I did a great job today. Getting send. So uh, Pokemon Go is growing. Oh, and also, I read that it has, as of May, it had the most users it's had since launch. So I think a lot of people are like, they saw Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, you're like, man, we gotta play some Pokemon Go, get ready for it, just like me. Yeah, I think that is correct, because I just reinstalled it. Nice. And I haven't played too much, but yesterday in the SkyTrain, I saw some people playing. Which I haven't seen in a while, so that's cool. So you play Pokemon Go, uh, Base Guy? No, I remember the. What was it back a couple of years ago? I guess yeah. that's big to do. And I think my, I remember in the county where I live, they started having all these special events because they were having. <laughs> they didn't want all these random kids just like out. I think they're trying to have a more controlled environment for right. Pokemon Go. So they're having. And I think one of my buddies is a runs an ice cream truck, and he was, I think called out to a couple of events oh wow that's pretty yeah. that's, that's proactive yeah yeah we had like i don't know like little little minor laws and stuff like, not like official laws but like warnings like hey don't play at this area don't play after a certain time all that kind of crap so it's kind of funny that, that that it was enough it was popular enough at the time to affect the people who don't give a shit i say you would call them the normies uh into commenting about it but like i noticed i, I was uh, i had it open at a bakery i was getting lunch and this lady who worked there, she's like, my mom plays this game all the time. And it started going off. And she must have been like 40. So her mom is probably guessing, let's say 65, 
and they're and they're just playing Pokemon Go, man. And my my uh, partner's parents, they both play. So still, I kept playing this entire time. So it's kind of crazy that people kept on trucking during all this. People, it's a it's a fun little little diversion while you're walking. See, what's your favorite Pokemon? Or actually, what do you have you ever played in the main series? Do you even give a shit? Were you like, because you're a musician, you're probably too cool for Pokemon, but. <laughs> Um, I actually, I think I have like four or five other games that I've not picked any of them up. Now. None of them, eh? I would recommend yeah. Heart Gold or Soul Silver if you're going to start playing one for the DS. It's a remake of the second generation, and probably the, I still think best in the series. Or X and Y. But you know, you probably have gigs, and your roadies are going to look at you and think, "What are you doing playing this children's game? That's not that's not cool. That's not what Rock's all about." And then uh, you don't want to lose your fans, so. I'm I'm just painting an image in my head of you being on the road all the time and like you're playing like these packed packed uh auditoriums and, and you're just part of a massive band and group <laughs> groupies are following you all the time and, and you have to be like carefully, you know, watch your image because if they see you playing too many games or the wrong games and that's gonna gonna reflect poorly on what whatever magazines <laughs> report about music. Rolling Stones. Well, well sorry to burst your bubble, but I'm a lab technician in biotech industry, so Oh yeah, see, uh, Shelby wanted to ask us to ask you <laughs> if you were responsible at all for the outbreak at Raccoon City. <laughs> I remember her asking that. So, would you like to confirm that? Any messages you want to give to Shelby, who's so busy she couldn't be here with our guest? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh god, she's gonna cry. That's from Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> um, oh, and and safety. And and of course, uh, base guy, because I'm not ignoring you. Uh, I beat I am Setsuna, which I also am referring to as Cold Final Fantasy X. Oh yeah, you were saying two weeks ago. Yeah, I beat it, and now I'm playing Mario Tennis Aces and, and Musnix, Musnix, Musnix. It's pretty fun. It's a fun little rhythm game. No, the other one. Uh, oh, Mario Mario Tennis <laughs> Mario Tennis Aces. Yeah. It's a uh, fun, good little tennis game. Okay. Yeah, it, I've been playing in the story mode. I don't know. Like, I can't say that I'm like, oh, I gotta play more Mario Tennis right away. But it's like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not great at it. I've been playing with my pro controller. Um, I haven't set up to play with motion controls. That might be more engaging, maybe. But you have it has a little RPG system, so you're leveling up and going on this world map, uh, kind of classic Mario Node style. Like you travel across uh, the path to each node and you get a little cutscene where there's some banter then you play a match uh and then you uh date more cutscenes then you get like a level up and then you might get a new racket uh com- reopening complaint corner this game is annoying and one thing so when you lose a match which is, is likely to happen because some of the challenges are kind of a pain in the ass it brings you back to the world map it doesn't let you retry or anything you have to watch the cutscene again which you can skip but you still have to watch it or, or skip it, and then it loads, and then you have to hit A to get back into the match, and the match starts over again. Big misstep, man. If I lose, I just saw that cutscene. I don't need it again. Why can't I just hit retry or quit? But nope, it makes you do it all over again every time. Hugely annoying. Makes me mad. Enough to complain about it. Yeah. That's yeah. What I was, was going to say. <laughs> exactly. Um, Cold Final Fantasy X, though, was pretty good. I, I would recommend it. It had a nice, nice ending. It's it's not a very long game. It's fun. Uh, good 
good characters. Uh, they, they really like snow in that game. I, I like. I think I theorized last episode. They they nailed the snow engine. It's like, man, these trails look great. Let's just make sure snow is everywhere in this game. And I don't know, snow's good, but I like a little variety in my RPGs. So I think that would be one thing. But you know, it it, it fits the mood of the game—a somber, kind of sad, kind of depressing mood. Uh, yeah. So have you played that game, uh, Base Guy? No. Uh, What's the last game you played outside of the one for this episode? Um, let's see. I think I just beat. I let's see. I beat um, Axiom Verge and uh, oh, cool. Let's see, Ninja Gaiden Shadow, which I I think I found when I was at uh, too many games. I picked it up. What what uh which which console is that one for? Uh, the Game Boy, the original. Oh, Game really? Boy. That's cool. And you beat it. Is it much? Is it easier than the NES counterparts? Yeah, it's. And then uh, you always have that problem with just processing power. It's just uh, everything runs a little slower. It's right. Slow. So, and then I think the um, everything's kind of pared down. So it only. I mean, if you know what you're doing, you probably beat it in under half an hour. Damn, I should look for that game. I'd like to. I I fucking love playing Game Boy games. That's one of my favorite. Game Boy all the way up through to the DS are just one of my favorite set of systems. I just, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. I don't think I have that, that one for Game Boy. I should take a look. That's awesome. Actually, I, I'm, I'm dreading something. So I got these, like, there's this business going at, there's this place going out of business, and they sold these DVD shelves, and I bought a few of them. So I have to go through the process of taking apart these massive bookcases and then transferring all my games onto those, and it's going to be a nightmare, and I'm really not looking forward to that part. But in the end result, it's going to look, it's going to look sweet. It'll be nicely organized. and Yeah, I can't wait. Anywho, anything, anything new uh, or game-related that's not, that's not pertaining to our topic that you guys would like to talk about before we go ahead to do that? Seiji? Got anything going on, buddy? Mm, I beat... Ace Attorney Investigations, which is the, the first the first spin-off in the series. Nice. Pretty, pretty different. Uh, yeah. didn't love it, but it's right. it's good. Um there's a lot of cameos and stuff like that. And then I started Ace Attorney Investigations 2, which is the sequel. Mm-hmm. And that one's special because it never had a North American release. So it's pretty cool. And so far. Yeah. I've only played first case so far. It's, it's much better than the first one, so I'm glad. But also sad because it, it it seems like it's never gonna have a North American release. Does Shelby uh, play those ones, or is she like, I won't play a non, I won't play a fan translation? I think she told me Ace Attorney Investigations is like the only physical one that she has. So oh, she so plays, she does. So she played oh, nice. that one, but she good. hasn't played the second one because it never got a North American release. Too good for for fan translations. I'm playing. I'm playing the fan translation, which uh, yeah. uh, she said she would never ever do. Oh my! And wow, it's a hard stance. So I, I think I'm sort. I've now considered by her like heretic or something like you know. I would say you're a true fan. You're a true fan because you must play all the games. You want to play them so badly that you're going to trust you know this person who also loves Phoenix Wright so much that they want to uh, you know translate themselves. So I think that Shelby who is admittedly a big fan of Phoenix Wright. It's not as big a fan as she lets on. I think she's kind of a fake. I'm a fraud. You said it. <laughs> yeah, I did. And she, pro- she probably won't listen to this episode, so we're okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. The other thing is that I was I was reading about the, the fan translation for this game, and apparently yeah. they made 
like um like a team, right? And they made people apply, like send hmm. their resumes and stuff like that to see their qualifications to, to Damn. be part of the translation team, which is rare because usually in fan translation team, they just, you know, you do want to collaborate, you just do it, right? Yeah, get the help but, you can get, right? And And you know what? I've been reading it and I don't even notice. It's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty good. They get the the speech patterns of each character really nicely. Do they and, do the American reference to food and stuff? Is it all did they keep the spirit of the original game so they go super accurate? I don't think they, they they've had the opportunity to do so right now. No uh, pun as all the pun names? Is there pun names for all the characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, right, they good. have like puns for the names and stuff like Perfect. that. Perfect. Yeah. You gotta have those pun names. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. So it's nice to know that by the time you're done, you'll have played all the games in the series and Shelly will have not played all of them. Exactly. And that will be amusing to me. <laughs> because she she loves Phoenix Wright. Yeah. <laughs> uh awesome. Uh and what about what about you? Um Basically, anything in games you want to mention before we move on to topic? Um, let's see. Uh, game was oh, uh, Golden Sun. I was trying to get oh, back nice. to. I, I think I was playing that. In, I think I started playing that last. Let's see. I guess in May, and I need to go back to. It. I probably got about halfway through the first one. How does it hold up? Or did you play it when it first came out? Because that was one of the first Game Boy Advance games I played. I think I was in high school when I played it. And I, I don't. I have not actually not played that one since I beat it, which would have been like, Jesus, sixteen years ago maybe, uh, or fifteen years ago, something like that. Did you? How does it? Did you find it holds up? Um, I didn't play it back in the day, but it, I, I, I enjoy it. It's pretty. I, I thought it's kind of easy just because they have the uh, mechanic where you just, just by walking you end up regaining health. I thought that was kind of. That kind of made things a little easier. Easier, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of puzzles, and it's. I thought it's pretty. I thought it was really fun. It, it's an impressive looking game when you consider its contemporaries, like back then on on handheld. Like they really, I found they did a really good job. I mean, it probably doesn't hasn't aged as well, but I like the way. I remember back then being super impressed with the way it worked, the way it looked rather. It's a fun game. It's awesome, man. It's a good. It's a good choice to, to pick up. I should. Consider replaying those. The uh, did you ever see the one for the DS? They had it was like Dark Dawn, I think it was called. I saw it. I haven't picked it up. I've just I picked up the uh, first two in the series on the GBA, which I think nice. that I think they. I think I was told the second one they just couldn't. They basically had to do that because it wouldn't all fit on that small cartridge. That's pretty the- much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it was weird. It had like a I think it had like a password system or whatever when you finish it to to pass your information over the second game. Uh, it it was kind of strange, but yeah, that's, that's that's really cool. Right on. All right. Well, I guess uh, I I guess that's it. So we should go right on to our topic. Yeah. Which up next is our topic.
Okay, uh, we're back, and this week's topic, this this episode's topic, is Link's Awakening. For the Game Boy, slash Game Boy Color, slash Virtual Console. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, uh, well, the, it was made in, um, I think 1993 is when it came out. I should have wrote that down, but I actually did not, which is, oh, no, I lied. August 6, 1993, uh, for North America and June 6, 1993 for, uh, Japan. And it, and on the Game Boy Color, it came out in December 15th, 1998 slash December 12th, 1998 in Japanese. So they got, they got it really close to the, with the second release. And that was for Game Boy Color. So we're going to talk about the game, but my first question to both of you guys and to myself is uh, which version did you play originally, if you did play back then, and which version did you play now? And yeah, I'll start off with uh, Base Guy. I didn't, I think I did not play that back in the day, um, I, but I played the, uh, the DX version. Nice. So. That's awesome. This time around. Uh, physical, like a regular, like you played a cart or just uh, through virtual console or other means? I played it on the original. Nice. I, I, I played on a Super Game, uh, let's see, I played on the Super Game Boy, and then I think oh, when cool. I got to the Color Dungeon, I had to switch over to the <laughs> to the, uh, ga- the Game Boy Color for a little while, and then I got past that dungeon, I put it back in the Super uh, Game Boy. That's awesome. What about you, Seiji? I played the original back then, but the mm. player's choice. So it's pre- I'm pretty sure it was in 1993. <laughs> Usually they release like player choice games, you know, like maybe a couple of years later. So yeah, I'm not really sure, but um, my copy, my boxed copy of it, it says mm-hmm. player's choice, and it has an owl on the cover, which I think it's is what it also makes it different. Mm, and then uh, for this playthrough. I played the DX version, which I never played in. It's a little bit different, well, the colors and, you know, a few features here and there, right? Yeah, yeah, there's, so, uh, the, Link, the original Link's Awakening uh, for the Game Boy, it's just, it just has the logo on the cover. I have a box copy of that as well. I don't remember what the DX one has, so I, I wish I had that. Um, the differences, of course, is the color dungeon, uh, the camera shop, Mm-hmm. And all the course all the photos that come with it. And I think there might be one other minor difference, but those are the two major ones. And, and of course, the the uh, color dungeon gives you a, a color tunic uh, that you can pick t- t- yeah, pick between red and blue. And I believe one gives you one doubles your attack, one doubles your defense. So I guess that kind of has a big effect on the game. But I actually skipped it this time around. Uh, when I first played it myself, I I played it on the Game Boy Color. I remember, I think I got it. Maybe I got it for a birthday or something, but uh, yeah, so I played it on the Game Boy Color, and that was one of my first... I would have played it after Ocarina of Time, so at that point, I think Ocarina was my first Zelda game I had beaten. I mean, I had played um, Link's, Link to the Past a little bit here and there when I was a kid, but I never owned it. But yeah, so that was my first one, and when I played it again, I played it actually Virtual Console on my 3DS, which of course was still a DX version, but I played it on my, on my 3DS, so that was kind of convenient to, to replay it on. And I think it, it must have came out like I'm sure, maybe it didn't come out in a virtual console for Wii. It might have been only just available on 3DS. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so this was the first Zelda you played? Uh, I would say no, no. First Zelda I played to completion, probably, likely Ocarina of Time. Oh really? Okay. 
Yeah. And then this one. And I played Link's Awakening, the first Zelda, and Link to the Past as a kid, but only through other people's systems. I never played it on my own. So I never beat any of them. So the so Ocarina was definitely was either this or Ocarina that I beat first. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was probably Ocarina that I had beaten first, but but it would fall by by this one. So this first 2D Zelda game I beat, and and it stayed my favorite. I think it stayed my favorite in the series up until right now. I still think it's my favorite Zelda game, um, for reasons that we'll get into. Uh, so I guess I kind of covered my second question: Was did you play it when you were young? But this was, uh, I believe, uh, all but two of us played it when we were kids. So. That's that's great. So that means you're gonna have a different. Uh, that means a base guy will have a different perspective than that we're gonna have, which is nice. Um, I wanted to summarize the basic story, but eventually we'll get into spoilers because I do want to talk about this one because the plot I actually quite enjoy. But the basic story in this one is uh, this it takes place takes place chronologically after a link to the past. So this is the same link as in that game. He goes off on a training journey uh, at sea, and he gets hit by a storm or whatever. Uh, he wakes up on an island. He has no idea where he's at. Um, he lost his sword. He meets up with, um, I don't know, oh, the owl, right? I think flies down and is like, hey, you're on this island. And he ben- eventually he finds uh, he finds out that he's just he's on Coaland Island and he, he has no idea how he got there. And um, he's he's warned or told or he needs to awaken the windfish. That's how he'll get off the island. And... And so he starts meeting people who live there, and, and he starts f- fighting the nightmares. He has to basically destroy the nightmares of all the dungeons and and gain the um, instrument. I can't remember the name for the instruments. I can't remember exactly what they're called. Um, it had like a specific name for the type of instruments they are. Uh, at any rate, he has to find all these instruments and awaken the windfish. And awakening the windfish will will let him get out of there. And yeah, so that's the basic plot of the game. Um, what do you guys think of the overall, you know, the overall feeling of of the setup and how the game starts and and the motives for the character? Say you can go first this time. About story, as I said, I played this when I was younger, the first mm-hmm. time, and when I was doing my replay this uh, past couple of weeks, it, it felt really new to me. But at the same time, it felt old because I played this before. But it felt new because my English back then wasn't really was. I probably only understood uh, uh, like loose words here and there, which guided mm-hmm. me. And probably what I didn't understand, uh, some of the words I'll look in a dictionary or something like that. But I really didn't get you know a full sense of the story as I did now, mm-hmm. and. I think it it was good because now when when I, I was going through the story, it's very very simplistic, like there's not much going on, but uh, it in terms of like narrative, right? But the yeah. the world is very rich, so it I think uh, this can be played by younger players also and enjoy like a good uh, rich world that ha- that feels really alive. Uh, but in terms of story, I don't think it's like like the best story ever. It's, it's very simple. Um, also, in the gameplay side, it's very very simple. So I think it, you get like a really distilled Zelda experience, um, and the story doesn't really it's that important. I felt. I don't know. I don't entirely agree. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the story was simple, but I think the overall plot was so solid. It's something that's easy to understand. It's it's kind of a classic kind of trope in in. And I mean, I guess we'll just do spoilers for the story now. Um, skip a couple minutes if you you want. But like Steve said, they're not major. Most people have probably seen 
or heard about this game. But so, so the windfish, of course, is this like sleeping deity thing, this whale, whale with wings. And uh, Coaland Island exists entirely in its in its dream, so it's not a real place. But everybody there, you know, more or less functioned as a real person. They have hopes and dreams. And Link meets a character named Marin who develops some sort of crush on him, I guess you could say. And she wants to leave the island, and she wants to fly, and she likes to sing. And so, so you meet a, like a lot of characters in this game. I again, I say a lot by like let's think the context of this being on a Game Boy cartridge for, for in the 1993. It's it's pretty impressive the, how big it is and what's going on in, in the game. But yeah, as far as the actual plot goes, I just thought I, I liked it. You know, this whole... And it's not like a lot of this... A lot of this kind of plot isn't dealt with in Zelda very often. Like, usually it's your 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 classic Ganon's back or some other weird thing like that. I mean, Majora's Mask is another outlier, but, you know, this this giant... He just he just gets caught in a dream of this crazy deity. And, and to get out, he has to make a choice to wake it up. And by waking it up means all these people that he's met are going to disappear. I mean, they basically say so that once the windfish wakens, everybody's dead, you know, they're gone. Well, not dead, they don't exist, but but, but be- this is like, again, this is not unique to this game, this is a, a trope that's been tackled before, but I wouldn't say it's in a, a ton of games, and certainly not in most main Nintendo games, so I, I thought that the plot was very engaging, because I, I liked a lot of the characters you meet, I like I liked Marin, I, I liked uh, you know, her father Taryn, and, and most of the village, and, and, and the game's kind of self-aware too, like the kids will sometimes talk about like the B button and then comment that they don't know what that means. And one guy's like, Oh, you'll find me later. I'll be lost in the Hills. So there's like a lot of like humor in the game that I, I think lends to it. Sorry. I've, I've been talking more, but what what, what, do you, what did you think of the story? Uh, base guy? I thought, I thought it was a little kind of refreshing not to have the same old sort of, I guess, Zelda, Zelda story where you're trying to print, save the princess. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, say, oh, and save Hyrule. It's so it's, I know it's, I thought that was, Good. Um, and like you said, I thought that the game didn't take itself too seriously. And I guess to spoil some stuff, they had some, a lot of Mario references and a lot of yep. t- sort of um, uh, sort of references to other Nintendo property and other other Nintendo properties, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and it, like you said, I was amazed at how long the game was and how so rich the world was, just because it's on the tiny cartridge yeah agreed 100 percent. absolutely it's they fit quite a bit in this, this little thing uh and just about just touching the guest characters so i have the uh zelda encyclopedia that came out so i, I wanted to make sure i had the this this section open because there were some fun de- developer notes and stuff but uh some of the guest characters in the game is dr wright from sim, sim city makes an appearance uh yoshi kirby uh, also make an appearance, but what I found the most interesting that I didn't get was Prince Richard from the Japan-only RPG, The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls, which I know I've mentioned on the show before. And I believe the same development team actually worked on that game before this game, and they kind of moved on from that. So there's, there's a, apparently a lot of similarities between that game. I'd actually like to see if there's any fan translations of that, because I, I think I would quite enjoy playing that game. But anyway, so it's kind of cool that, that that Richard fellow that you you meet in that game, as an English player, you're probably going to have no idea but that he was like the main character, or uh, or at least a character from that that game is a really cool cameo. And as far as Mario cameos go, I mean, Mar- uh, Marin or Taryn is basically Mario, and I believe there's like a Luigi stand-in as well. Uh, there's a picture of Princess Peach that you can see because uh, there's some sort of uh, well, we can talk about the trade system later. But uh, there's also Goombas in the game. Uh, was there other Mario? And there's Bow Wow's Chain Chomps, uh, the fish, the puffer fish. Jeez, is there any other enemies from Mario in this game that you guys can remember? The cactus, 
Reich, yes. I remember his name. Shy, Shy Guys, too. Pokey or something like that. Yeah, I think it's Pokey, actually. And I believe Shy Guys are in the game as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's like a little guy that looks like Kirby in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he does the, the same thing as like the sucking stuff that Kirby does. And the little bombs, I think. The walking bombs. Oh, I guess. yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, and uh, Thwomps and uh, Fireballs are also in it. So, a unique. I guess we're moving into gameplay now, but. Because there's because this thing there's another thing that most Zelda games haven't done, most 2D Zelda games haven't done. But uh, so ooh, there's a lot to, there's a lot to talk about for gameplay. Is there anything else about the story we wanted to mention before we move on to that stuff? Anything else that we, what do you got? I mean, for me, like the ending, I was actually kind of moved by the ending. You know, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the characters. So indeed, Link does awaken the Windfish. I mean, if, if you finish the game, uh, and when he does, everybody disappears. You kind of see. The world flashed to white. It goes through various scenes of all the characters you've met, and then them fading away because they're all they're all gone now, uh, with the exception of one character. If you don't die the entire game, apparently you see uh, Marin's face flash above, and then they see a seagull flying. So I guess she she's she's materialized into the real world through as a as a seagull. So she because she mentioned in the game that she wishes she had wings so she could fly away from the island. Uh, I did not get that ending, of course, because I definitely died, but. That's kind of a, a crazy addition to the game. We can talk about the gameplay if you guys want. Okay. So it plays like your classic 2D Zelda, top-down, uh, except so the Game Boy only has two buttons, if you don't count the start and select. So your options are a little bit limited, and this this is the only complaint I, I would have with the game, is just that your, your man... Your, your, uh, Inventory management. So because everything's mapped to A and B, it includes your sword and your shield and all that stuff. Uh, so you basically have to, whatever you want to switch, hit start button, choose your item, switch it into the A, B. I, I don't know. I get really like uh, particular about these things. So I almost always want to have my sword on me at all times. So I wind up o- almost always having sword and B and never taking it out. Although you, you need it for a few combinations. So, you, so that's a, that is a cool thing you can do in this game. You can combine some of your weapons like bombs and arrows can become bomb arrow. And uh, you can do your Pegasus boots and your Rucks feathers. You can do a long jump, stuff like that. But yeah, so top-down view, Link swings in all directions. You can move diagonal as well as you know up down. Uh, you have a large variety of, of items which we can talk about, and uh, you move screen to screen like like in old Zelda. So you kind of get that. This, this is what you're used to, except the portions that's mar- very Mario centric and that they're side-scrolling parts. I mean, they also kind of harken back to Zelda 2 a bit too, but basically you sometimes you'll be going downstairs and instead of being in your standard basement level, you're in a side-scrolling stage. It almost always requires you to equip Ruck's Feather because you have to jump because you have to platform. But uh, this is where you see a large variety of, of like Mario enemies. And I, I particularly love these myself, but so far, I mean, in terms of management, managing the system and side-scrolling stuff and combat, what, how do you guys feel about this, this game? You can go first, uh, base guy. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of variety with just, I, I don't know how many, it's felt like there are, what, a dozen items you could use, or almost, or 10, I can't remember exactly. Mm. Um, but 12? I don't know. Yeah, and I th- but the, I guess the trade sequence, which we'll probably get into eventually, yeah, just to get the sure. boomerang was ridiculous. I think it's, like it's, 14, so okay. it's like 14 items just to get, get it, but at least you're, it pays off in the end when you get yeah. the boomerang. Well, we could talk about the trade system too. Why don't you go ahead and explain the trade system while we're talking about the other stuff? So let's see. I think I had it pulled up. So in order to get the, 
So in order to get the boomerang, you have to get the magnifying lens. Right. And to get the magnifying lens, you have to give the Yoshi doll. You have to give the Yoshi doll to the lady with the baby. Then she gives you a ribbon. You have to give the ribbon to I think one of the the uh, to uh, Bow Wow. Was it Bow Wow's? Uh, I guess sister. Yeah. And then and then you have to give. Then she gives you dog food. You have to get the bananas from that guy, and then you have to get the bananas to. Um, Let's see, a monkey who gives you a stick. Then yep. you use a stick on a comb, and, you, and then you get the, the um, and then I think Taryn takes it from you, and knocks the honeycomb down. You have to get the honeycomb. That for, I think you can give that to uh, Chef Bear. To, I think I believe it's yes. to uh, get the animal. And the animal village with pineapple. And the pineapple <laughs> to hibiscus. Yep. To give to give to the lady. Um, and then she gives you a letter. She, um, I think you give you have to give that to Mister Wright, and then he gives, he gives you a broom. And you have to give a broom. Then the broom is given to Grandma Yelrira, who I guess <laughs> who lost hers. And then she gives you a fishing hook. You have to get the fishing hook. She has the mermaid's necklace to get. Let's see. To, I think so. You have to give the fishing hook to the fisherman under the bridge. Yeah. Then you have to do the necklace, and then you have to give the necklace to the mermaid scale. To get the mermaid scale for the mermaid, and then uh, let's see, um, I, then you give the mer. Let's see, the scale to let's see. I, mean, I think you just put it on the stat on the mermaid yeah. statue, yeah, and to get the magnifying lens, which allows you to see the final guy who is in the cave at the beach to get the uh, boomerang. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then the boomerang does almost more damage than anything else in the game and can kill the last boss's final form in one hit, uh, which is pretty insane. I Once I hit the boomerang, I stopped. I almost stopped using the sword entirely. And the sword in this game can also be powered up by collecting seashells. So you can get your level 2 sword by collecting, I think, 20 seashells. And there's 26 in the game in total. Uh, once you get that, you can blast lasers out of your sword, and it does double the damage. Pretty cool. But once you hit the boomerang, you, you should use that instead. For the part. Yeah, I think there's uh, a little, there's a, what that little uh, uh, shop you go into, and the little meter goes up for however, however many uh, seashells you have. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's, it's worth noting, too, that actually to get the boomerang, you have to trade an item. Uh, and I didn't realize that at first, so I traded a good item, and then I had to go back and trade my shovel instead because I didn't have any use for that anymore. But uh, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if I'll just trade this then. Uh, so, yeah, so boomerang, pretty cool. And. Seiji, what do you think about the overall gameplay of the game? The trade system, the combat, switching your items. And it has a great feeling. It's very responsive, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do... Uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff that is usually not present in Zelda games. For example, th- there's a lot of jumping, and there's a lot of uh, like platforming. It, it yeah, felt, there is. E- even not in the, in the uh, side-scrolling view, which that is purely platforming, usually. Really uh, uh, simple puzzly platformers uh elements but in the overworld mode sometimes you have to do like jumps and stuff like that which is usually not present in the 2d zelda games i don't yeah remember i don't think it's either present in in the uh uh link to the past or i don't think it is or even uh a link between worlds i haven't played oracle of seasons and oracle of ages did you feel like kind of tempted to play those after playing this because I played them a little bit when I was in high school, but now I'm like, I really kind of really want to play these games now. Yeah, absolutely. Because I tried playing those games a while ago. I played them for a few minutes and I got a little bit lost, which is my next point. 
in mm-hmm. this game, in, in this is what I was touching on the on the narrative elements being very simplistic. Like there, there's not a lot of um, like motivation, like story based motivation for you to continue. It's it's very very simple. In now go there and go here and go there. Like a lot of stuff that you were saying in retrospective, you can see it, but while you're playing the game, there's it's it's more about exploration rather than than narrative being you know exposed to you in terms of like you know cutscenes or dialogue or stuff like that is is very simple so oh say like i found it sometimes hard to find the next temple occasionally um i know that uh, when you beat one uh, an owl will come and give you kind of a hint but there's a couple that i was like i just i was having some trouble actually finding my way into uh, I don't know if that's if you were saying the opposite of that, or if or if you were agreeing with that point, or mentioning the same thing. I wasn't sure where, where you stood. Are you saying the game is too easy, or too too easy to find your way around? Uh, I I think they did a good job, not a great job, but a good job in giving you enough hints to continue. Now it is true that sometimes you you can get lost, but um, there's enough elements in there to you know there are signposts and mm-hmm. in, if you if you put attention and you uh, spot like the actual environment of the next area i think you're good enough because it's it, like the waterfall or the prairie or the beach or yeah. something like that um i liked that the game is large enough so that exploration can be meaningful but it's not but it's also contained enough and and segmented enough so that you can um limit your searches and for the most part i didn't use a guide while i while i was playing and granted i did spend a lot of time you know trying to find the places and by a lot of time i meant i don't know maybe 15 minutes or something like that you know which nowadays i don't have a lot of um patience you know and, and that is something that i felt when i was a kid playing this game i would spend you know hours you know just playing the game and, and talking to every character and stuff like that what where when i was playing now i did feel sometimes like i just wanted to like uh, keep things moving on so mm-hmm. i didn't go on a lot of like side quests and stuff like that uh but i think that's only natural and, and also games are different nowadays so uh games are they give you a lot of like meaningful moments for you to feel progress whereas mm-hmm. whereas in these kinds of games and you have to also have to consider that the, the limitations of the hardware and this being 1993 um there's a lot of there's a lot expected from the player to explore and, and spend the time doing stuff like even, even the guys have you, you because i i did a, a at a point check guide like on game facts oh yeah have, absolutely and there's a lot of like go here and go there. Like some of them are pretty, I don't know, like cryptic. The stuff that you have to do. So there, there's a little bit of that. And there's there's a little bit of that on on a lot of old older games. But even even in that regard, I feel like in this game, it was not too much. Like it was simple enough. You can play this game if you spend the time, you know, doing the exploration and stuff like that. I get stuck at one point. That was really dumb. It was dumb that my, for that I got stuck. So, like, first of all, I I also I don't I kind of know what you're just saying. Like, I don't have a patience for exploration that I did as a kid. So I I definitely use the guide. I'm pretty sure I used the guide back then to get everything. 
but uh, I used to, like you said, I used a little bit on here and there to get on track. But one point I got stuck with is getting to the Angler's Cave, which I think is the fourth dungeon. Um, I You have to go up to, into the mountains. And there's a part where the, the push puzzle is pretty simple. You push a rock off into a ledge, and then there's a couple of rocks. But all the rocks you have to push are on these cracked rocks. If you stand there for a second, you drop. And there's a crystal in the way. And I thought you had to charge into the crystal with the Pegasus boots. But you just need to cut it with your sword. And I spent like like 30 minutes like i couldn't figure it out. i kept trying to find new ways to, to charge into it but because of the gaps you couldn't actually charge on it you either fall down or you'd go over the edge and i was losing my mind and and i just didn't realize that i had to just to cut the crystal because it's been a while i think i'd stopped playing for a week week or two so i forgot that you could just break those mm -hmm. uh so i had artificially made myself stuck on an area that i had no reason uh to be stuck on but man i was livid at that point i was like why can't i get past this damn thing so i was like okay i'm if i'm not supposed to be here yet i, I haven't got the item i needed so i kept going around looking for other ways in i could see the dungeon because i had unlocked it but i couldn't get to it because of the water i was so mad anyways that was my dumb story yeah in terms of the game loop like where i would get stuck it's in the stage previous to to getting into the dungeon right because the basic game loop is that you find a key right mm -hmm. you find a key to open the dungeon and then you go to a dungeon, you do the dungeon, then you go back, and then you're back at the stage where you have to go and find the key. That process of finding the key sometimes was cryptic because even though you know where you, you where you needed to go, yeah, sometimes you need to do some special preparation so that you can get, gain access or talk to a certain characters or, or something like that so that you can go and find the key. And sometimes that, that part wasn't too clear. Yep, I agree with that. And yeah. And sometimes exploring the world, when things are like far enough, um, like that, there's this one key that is in the in the desert, but the dungeon is like in the, is in the waterfall section, which right about the the most southern, eastern part of the <laughs> part of the map, and the, the the actual dungeon is in the north, very northern part of the in Taltal Heights, yeah, and that 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 part was it, it felt to me that it was just there to consume time you know what i mean what do you think of all that this guy uh, i think i think yeah i thought that some of the parts were a little cryptic i don't know why i was having so much trouble finding the uh golden gold leaves to get into what the uh key cavern i think oh, it was yeah. yeah i was having the worst time and i think i had to look on the was it I had to went on uh, oh, Zelda, yeah. Zelda dungeon. Um, I think a website to at their uh, they have a bunch of good walkthroughs. I, I think that's the one I used too. Yeah, it's like images and stuff, right? Yeah, and they sort of and um, yeah, they sort of have all these little screenshots to help you out. Yeah, yeah, that part was I couldn't. I had a little bit of trouble. I think it was the first part I had some trouble with was figuring out where the leaves were. Uh, same same thing, and you and you, you kind of need to do part of the trade sequence, I think, to get that part right. Don't you for the to get the monkeys to push the, or the unrelated? Yeah, so you need you need the bananas for the monkeys to build right. a bridge to getting access to oh, the to right. the castle. That part is kind of cryptic because there there are several parts to that little you know puzzle. Yeah, you have to do like get the Yoshi doll and all that stuff first. So like I think it's like the fifth or fifth part of the trades. So you have to at least do some of the trade sequence to progress in yeah. the game at all. So yeah, yeah. And, it, and, the prince is it's a little bit um um unclear as to where the the leaves are because when i finally gain access to to the castle and stuff i went to the castle and then you do like 
it it feels a little bit like a dungeon so you kill mm. enemies and stuff like that and then at some point you need you actually need uh you need bombs to get one of the leaves so that part is one of the most confusing parts of the game because you need bombs you need to get part of the you know the trade sequence done so that you can yeah. get access to the bananas and then you finally get a, get get to the castle and you, and if you don't have the bombs, then you never encounter the enemies that are stuck in the wall. So it's kind of hard to know that. So I have to check uh, the uh, a guide. And then you get uh, all the leaves in the castle, which mm-hmm. I think are three. Five, I think. Isn't no, it? In, in the castle, there, there are oh, three. Oh, yeah, right. Because two of the leaves are in outside of the castle, right? One, you have to throw a rock at a bird, and then the right. other one, you have to kill those, um, like the monsters that, that come out of the holes. Yeah. And those two, I couldn't make sense by myself because I thought, okay, so the leaves are in the castle, right? Well, I counted uh, the courtyard as part of the castle. So I was like, oh, sure. I assume that they were out there. Yeah. But I was like, I, I had this idea that it was like in the, right. in the building itself. <laughs> so yeah, that's when I checked the, um, the guide and it was like, go to the courtyard, left side, right side. And I was like, oh, that's so stupid. Like, after spending, you know, <laughs> some time exploring. So there are some elements of that in the game where, where unfortunately it's not super clear, but at the same time, it's part of the charm of all games. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. I mean, the first Zelda is very similar with that, right? Like you can, you have to figure that stuff out on your own. It doesn't really tell you where yeah. to go easily. And I remember back then with other games, they were pretty cryptic, and I remember you, know, you would spend you would spend days, you know, trying to find stuff, and then you would go on side quests, and then someone, like a friend at school, or just on a magazine, or something <laughs> like that, or you, there are all these types of like crazy legends, also, like you yeah. will tell you if you do this and that, and if you, I love that I stuff. Know, if you plug your controller to the second player, you you do press this button here and there, and then you'll try it, and it never worked, but you know. <laughs> yep. Oh man, gaming or er, er, early urban gaming legends are a blast. I, mm-hmm. I love I love all that stuff before data mining ruined everything. <laughs> ruined the mystery. So what did you guys? So onto the items itself. I was curious to what your favorite items were, and what did you did you guys ever get annoyed by having to switch A B all the time and and constantly switch your items, or did you guys just accept it as a natural flow of the game and it didn't really bother you anymore? I think at first it annoyed me, and then I think after a while I just realized, well, there are only two function buttons. They kind of that's what they had to work with back then. So, yeah. but I think my favorite—I guess my favorite—I'll just be say probably most billions. You guys probably gonna say the boomerang, but <laughs> that was probably yeah. my favorite. I like the boomerang too because it was. I traditionally I hate the boomerang okay. weapon as as in Zelda games. Like I get the boomerang because usually they're shit. They're the shittiest weapon. Like I don't want to use a stupid thing. Catch it only ever stuns enemies. Doesn't hurt them. Really annoying. I I just don't like them very much. But in this game, because it, it is indeed just a better sword I, I i did quite like it however it can't cut short grass it can only cut bushes yeah, that's yeah. that's a severe limitation right there so imagine how much yard work you could get done if the boomerang worked like the sword really does uh, i like the hook shot too and i and i love rook's feather just because i like jumping every game should let you jump always want to jump i hate that you can't jump in most of these games uh what about you say do you have any favorite weapons or combos or or not combos, I, agree, weapons? I agree and disagree with you in the sense that i like the feather in this game mm. i don't know if every game should let you should let you like jump uh it depends on 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 the game itself but in this game it it feels really good and you you kind of feel overpowered <laughs> yeah you, you can jump over enemies a lot of enemy attacks exactly yeah um but in terms of the 
weapon switching system, yeah, it's annoying. It's pretty yeah. annoying because I cannot think of, of situations in which you don't want to have your sword on your hand. So you yep. pretty much have, like, to me, at the very least, the way I saw it, it was you have the one slot for That's items. That's how I felt, too. It was, much. like, the sword and something else. And whenever I have to, like, switch... Well, yeah, you have to make those long jumps and you have to put, you know, the Pegasus boots and the feather. It was the most annoying thing because I felt so uh, vulnerable. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. So, but uh, again, uh, we gonna see I, I don't, I don't remember. Time? Probably uh, a link to the past was like this. I don't remember. Probably not. Uh, I assume that his sword weapon was mapped to one of the uh, other buttons in link to the past. I haven't played it in years, so I couldn't say. Yeah, but again, they have a lot of buttons right yeah exactly you have like two more buttons, buttons so more buttons i did notice in the i did like in the game how basically right after you got there's almost like a cascade effect you'd have to you get one item and you'd almost immediately have to use it for some something in the dungeon or if you yeah. got or if you got like i think to what beat the first puzzle you had to get the you had to get the mushroom go to the witch and then use the Use the magic powder on that you get from her on the uh, raccoon to wake him up, right? Ch change him back. That, that reminds me of another fun little thing in the game. There's a couple of hidden areas that you can find. This, uh, I think he's called Mad Batter, and he's a he's this hidden dude that you can find. Uh, and you wake him up, he gets angry that you wake him up, and then he curses you uh, by increasing your inventory slot for uh, magic powder, bombs, and arrows, and he's like, now you'll have to carry more useless junk, blah, blah, blah and flies away. I, I thought that was really funny. He's, like, punishing you by, by making the gameplay better. Uh, did you guys encounter him at all? Pretty great. Yeah, I think I got the, what, the bombs and the arrows from, yeah. from him. It was, I, yeah, I like that. That's the thing about the game. They definitely It definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> no, it's super goofy, but I, I, that's definitely part of its charm. Um, yeah, so the... What was I going to say? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, and another thing I want to ask you guys is if you had a favorite uh, area or enemy in the game, obviously. Um, I thought there's... I thought that three of the kind uh, enemy was kind of weird. I think that I thought it was interesting. Oh, I hate those enemies. Because that was not my favorite. I thought that was kind of oh, weird. Oh, good, good, good call. That was one part of fucking <laughs> that eighth dungeon, or I think it was the eighth dungeon, or the seventh. Jesus. So, so, so for just for clarification, those these I don't know if they're the unique to the Zelda game or not, but basically they're three enemies and they cycle through the four you know symbols of a, of, a, of a playing cards. You know the club, spades. Etc. Uh, and you have to hit the, hit them so they stop all the right things, kind of like a lotto slots or whatever. Uh, and if you miss them, then they're fine. And if you get all three together, they die, and they usually die and reveal an item that you need. So you have to get them. But if you miss, you have to, you have to hit them back to their base and start all over again. They're such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and there's one that you have to kill from an, from a from, you have to kill from. No, no, I'm thinking of a different one, actually. Uh, anyways, yeah, th those guys are the worst. But I think I thought my favorite boss was the genie that he sort of taunts you and says it, and yes, um, oh, yeah. and then he runs back and he says in his bottle says you can't hurt me, and then you have to use that with that power, the power glove for the claw thing to yeah. throw him like three <laughs> times, and then his bottle finally breaks and can attack him. I thought That's that good... was a pretty fun uh, boss boss fight. That's a good one for sure. But, uh, yeah, I like that one too. The, the biggest joke in the game for bosses is the uh, the dungeon for the anglerfish one. I had killed it so fast, I didn't realize it was over because you're basically in a side scrolling stage, and he's a fish, and you just have to hit the uh, the little dangly bit at the top of his head because he's an anglerfish. 
Uh, I don't know what happened. I just stood there and just spammed the button, and he was dead, I think, before he even did one cycle. It was so easy. I was like, wait, where's the boss? I thought it was like a joke. Like, I was going to kill him, and then the next boss was going to be like a bigger fish. It was going to come and eat that one, and then I would have to fight the real boss. So, man, that was so easy. So, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but that, that, was, that stood out to me. Favorite was probably the last boss, just because... Uh, although it, I died, and that was a pain in the ass. The last boss switches between, I think, four different forms, one of them being Ganon. Uh, and you, and it's, and like you just kind of that like in the other dungeons, you kind of know what items you need to use because it's usually based on the item that you found in that dungeon. But in the last boss, you kind of have to switch it up and figure out what what it is takes to kill it. So pretty good. What about you, CG? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just say the e- the eagle was kind of cool too. That was. Oh, that ooh, that stage, man. That was another boss that infuriated me. So the eagle will blast you with wind ever every so often during one of its patterned attacks. Uh, and then throw feathers at you, and you need to block it with the mirror shield. Well, you, you just happen to have the mirror shield at that point. But uh, it's um, if you're not quick enough, he'll blow you off, and you have to start the whole thing over again every time. So I kept getting knocked off because I would hit the button too slow, and he would push you off, and you don't die. You just have to climb back up the tower. But it kind of starts his health over again. So that was a that, but decent fight. But man, what a pain in the ass. Yeah. Say, G, what about you? Any that you hated or liked? About enemies or yeah, enemies or bosses, other other one. I I agree with base guy. I I I like the the genie in the bottle enemy. I think it's pretty. Um, he has like uh, it's layers, right? Yeah. Uh, I like that. Also the the slime guy that you have to hit. Uh, you have to hit with the Pegasus boots too. Uh, oh, that was a good it. one. Yeah. Cool. I I feel like every. Every dungeon and every uh, boss used the, your your new um, your new item really well. I was looking forward to uh, to to dungeons in here, and, and you know that's something about the old Zeldas, right? That uh, that that progression of of getting more powerful and stuff like that was really really cool. Another annoying I kind of uh, think that is related to the last thing that we were saying about the um, uh, the item switching is mm-hmm. that. Because of the way it's it's done, and you you only have like the one slot really to to switch. I feel like the the shield goes underused for a, a long part of the game because they they give it to you and it's really good. Oh yeah, uh, but then you practically don't use it again because you're always using something else. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that's that's something that <laughs> I I wish I had access to my shield in some of these battles, but then it's like well no because you need because you need this other thing right. If this game had two more buttons and they were mapped to your sword and shield, how much better would this game be? And just for that simple addition of buttons, and you'd have, you wouldn't have to. Ma- I think it'd be a lot better. But you know, I, I admire what they did with what they had for sure. Yeah, I have two more questions before we go to damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to ask what you guys think about uh, graphics and music of the game. Uh, we can talk about it from the DX perspective, since color adds to it, of course. But uh, I just want to say that overall theme is solid as always in this game. The wind ballad of the windfish is great, uh, and all the other background music is more or less serviceable. But those two tracks particularly stand out to me. I mean, well, the main theme always is good, but the uh, ballad of the windfish is pretty is pretty good. It's a good good theme, and uh, it's played throughout the game here and there. But uh, and obviously graphics go like, it, I think it looks awesome. I, I I and I'm pretty I'm biased though because I really like Game Boy Color, Game Boy era graphics. I, I'm prone to them. But like as far as like like what they did with Mario Super Mario Land two. Super Mario Land 2 took the uh, Super Mario World uh, looks and really distilled it into the Game Boy really well. And I think that they did this with Link to the Past. They just kind of 
distill what made those games look great and put it onto the Game Boy. Um, so I'm very impressed with how they did it. They even has like little effects like butterflies in some areas. And there's, I, I found that it never, the game never really stuttered from any slowdown or anything like that, at least not when I was playing it. And uh, there's a lot of variety in the environments and like a lot of cool little areas. The bosses were all neat. Yeah, so I, I think it, it looks pretty good. What about you, base guy? What do you think? I, I really liked all the pixel art. Just I thought the characters looked uh, really great, and the yeah. um, animations were really solid. All the little cut scenes they had, but, oh, like yeah. uh, when Marin and uh, Link are at the at the uh, the uh, the bluffs and t- over the beach and stuff. Right. I took a picture of that. Thought that was really neat. And it, um, but yeah, I thought it's it just amazed me. I guess they. I guess because they put their A team on that on the game, I'm sure for the development that uh, they just got so much out of that little that little handheld. Um, but and but I guess the soundtrack for the uh, I think it was the the forest level had this funky little bass line. I was <laughs> always a little surprised that just happened. and then I went to on uh, YouTube and I just was shocked at how many tracks are actually in that game. Can we expect a cover, a base cover from uh, that that forest from you? <laughs> I get, I have to get a lot more equipment for that. <laughs> if, that. If, you, if you can get it done by tomorrow, I can put it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, what about you, Sadie? Oh, he mentioned the development, and the, the, there's a really cool story about it. Uh, this is actually a project, uh, like a side project for for the initial development team. They thought it would be a good idea to to make uh, to do a port of a link to the past to the Game Boy, and they uh, the project was not authorized. They just spent you know extra hours uh, you know trying to get the tech working, and then okay. they presented it as a, as a as a port of of a link to the past for the Game Boy, and then it got approved, and then you know. Can I read? A, can I read a little blurb from the uh, encyclopedia? Sure. It's exactly basically what you said, but uh, I was going to read it anyways. A successful experiment. So Link's Awakening originally started as a test to see just how much of the Legend of Zelda developers could recreate on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Because it was not an official project at first, the developers involved gathered after hours to work on it. They said it felt like being in an after-school club and put in self-referential jokes and ample nods to other titles during development. The director, uh, Takashi Tezuka, said it felt like they were making a parody of the Legend of Zelda. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, like what you said, but yeah. Yeah, that is exactly how it feels. Also, it I does think, actually. I think the story is by Yoshiaki Koizumi, which he is now. Uh, he directed Odyssey, I believe. He, oh, he really? Is, yeah, he's like the face of Nintendo now. I, I uh, feel nowadays, anyway. Another blurb about that then, because this this, this blends into what I was going to say, anyways. Uh, so apparently, the setting and story of this unique title brought together wild ideas from multiple developers, including Yoshiaki Koizumi's concept of being in a dream that may be yours or maybe someone else's, uh, Kensuke Tanabe's vision of a world where a giant egg sits in the summit of a mountain and if it breaks, the world ends, and Takashi Tezuka's interest in creating a mysterious world like that in the foreign TV series Twin Peaks. So, mm-hmm. so, so it took inspiration from some places you wouldn't expect. It makes you wonder if Marshall would, would like this version, uh, the Zelda game, a lot because we know that he loves Twin Peaks. That's kind of neat, neat that it took inspiration from that. So yeah, I guess this game has something in common with uh, Life is Strange, Sadie. I guess. Another, an- another <laughs> game, another one of your favorite games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's fun. Yeah, so they, they did a good job. And it is cool that it was done as like a side project. I don't know. It feels like a lot of studios, wouldn't that wouldn't really be an option nowadays. I think it would be much more difficult. Or even if you're even allowed to. 
a lot of a lot of places have rules on that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's neat. I don't know, different time, I guess. Uh, and my last question before we go to damage, or maybe we can actually we can include it as part of our damage. Don't answer it now, but quite just something to think about is where would you rank this Zelda in terms of being like one of your favorites? Like how far in the list of games do you think you put this down? So just think about that for damage. Uh, so for the damage section, uh, it's a recommendation system. Uh, it's just, you know, who would we recommend it to? And we, and we basically give it a, a heart each. So in this case, there's three hearts. And uh, we can do up to a full damage to it per person. So I could potentially do full damage, and that would mean that one whole heart piece is gone. Uh, and so if I do full damage, it means I hate the game. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I just, I did not like it. Uh, three quarters damage would be, uh, I thought it was kind of boring, bland. I you know, I didn't really care for the game, but, you know, there's some merit to it. Half-heart damage means that the game is pretty solid. You know, I would recommend it to, you know, maybe the average, not the average person, but, you know, if I knew someone who liked these types of games, I'd recommend it to them. Like, if I knew someone who liked Zelda, maybe I'd say you should try this one. Uh, One-quarter damage means that you you would recommend it to most people, that you like the game a lot. Um, You know, there's such flaws, but you, you still think most people would play it. And no damage means that you love the game and that you would recommend it to most people, uh, and that, you know, again, doesn't mean that you think the game's perfect, but for you, it, it was just a great experience, and, and you'd recommend to everyone. Um, so, let's go with Seiji first. Yes. So, Do your damage. In terms of ranking the game, I feel, in, in the Zelda series. Yes, of course. I think this is one of the top games within the series. Uh, I probably would rank it if I had to. In the 2D Zeldas, because I don't want to include 3D in this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three, probably. Nice. Behind, uh, I don't know, it's pretty It's pretty close to A Link to the Past in, in the second place. To me, the best one is A Link Between Worlds, absolutely. That's a great And game. then I would think really hard between this one and A Link to the Past, but uh, I, I think A Link to the Past is... is in, if you consider that this one started as a port of it, then mm. I would say, you know, that uh, Link to the Past it, it still holds up the second spot. But sure. really, really close. It's it's a really good, good uh, Zelda game. Absolutely. And in terms of the 3D Zelda games, like on top, I would only consider, you know, maybe on top of it, probably uh, Breath of the Wild and, and Wind Waker. And then it's probably going to be up there, too. Nice. That's um, good. Anyway, but I, I didn't think too much about this. Uh, but I think in, in my BB100 was also uh, really high up um, in the 30s or something like that. That's pretty good. Um, in terms of damage, I think that this is... If you are not familiar with, with Zelda games, you want to start with one. This is like the very you know Zelda 101 experience. Don't mm. ever start with the first one. I don't think <laughs> no. anyone could start... Uh, <laughs> Even, even a link to the past can be a bit more complex and demanding, uh, but this one is just—it's uh, a breeze to play. It's not, not because it's easy, but it's very easy to play, very uh, playable. Um, graphics are great. The music are great, uh, is great too. I mean, it has all those elements that you like, with a little bit of uh, goofiness that is not present in other games. And because of that goofiness, because of that easiness. I feel that it's recommendable uh, to to everyone. Um, I think it should be a really really easy play for for any for any player. So absolutely, um, no damage. Awesome. Nice, that's great. Uh, base guy, how about you? Um, let's see. I guess 
I think I've only played through. I've beaten, let's see, Zelda 1 and 2. And, okay. I've, and I've never. I don't think I've ever beaten um, uh, Link to the Past, but I've gotten. But, um, but I've played. And I've. I think I started Breath of the Wild, so I'd say I think those those are basically all my reference <laughs> points. Um, I guess I'd give I'd say this is probably my third favorite. Um, cool. I, I kind of liked it a little bit better than uh, um, A Link to the Past, um, but I'd probably I'd say I'd probably give it no damage as well. I was, awesome. Because um, I thought I thought the story was 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 good and that I really enjoyed the gameplay. It's a lot of very uh just a lot of items, a lot of um a lot of charm to the game. So Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Okay. Uh well um as far as where I rank this, it's it's heavily nostalgia and stuff. I don't think it's like uh if I was being uh unbiased, it's not the best Zelda. I, I don't know what that's such a heavy question what's the best Zelda and and like like Lef and, and Seiji I prefer to split them between 2D and 3D and I prefer the 2D so you know I, I it's not the best Zelda but to me it's one of my favorite Zeldas I might it might still be my favorite Zelda game and that could be largely nostalgia I, I have something about this game when I played it, it was at the right time or for my brain to uh, to lock on to it favorably like Ocarina was an awesome game and I have a lot of warm feelings to that too but something about the Zelda game Maybe maybe it's because I was playing this during Pokemon, and I, I fucking love that series. So it's something about that time frame where I was playing these games on handheld that was just it resonated with me. So still my favorite Zelda, uh, and uh, I just think the game just it's just very charming. There's so much you can do, and like when you consider that as handheld and its time frame. I mean, 1993, I guess, pretty impressive. Like the, this this doesn't feel that pared down from from links to the link to the past. I mean, link to the past is more, of course, and it's full color and all that jazz. Anyways, uh, it, all all of that. Uh, it is pared down, but there's so much to do, and, and just like if you, I, I'm a type of person who I, I like references to other Nintendo products. So seeing Mario and, and and those influences, and I love Mario, so of course marrying those two together is great. I love the little side-scrolling stages. They're so they're so much fun, and I never felt like a chore when I had had to go through those. Uh, and and because nowadays as an adult, I just don't man. I want to play a lot of games before I die, which could happen anytime. I mean, I'm getting old. And uh, so when a game doesn't take me 50 hours, I appreciate that. I think this was like a nice 15 hours or less. So that's that's great. Uh, more more reason for me to like it as an adult. And I just, sometimes when I'm playing a game for the show that I, I don't know for sure how much I'm, I, I always want to beat it. And sometimes I'm like, and if it's long, I'm like, oh, fuck, am I really going to be able to do this? Am I, is this going to be a chore? Uh, it was never a chore. It was, it was fun. I would pick it up and play through for a bit and put it back down. It never felt difficult to put down and after after a few days of not playing it and pick it back up again, like it was just a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely no damage at all. I love this game. I recommend everyone try it. You can get it so easily now on virtual console or even the cart. It, it's such a common game; it's not hard to find. And uh, you can play it on Super Game Boy, or you can play it on your on Game Boy Color, or you can play it on the Game Boy Advance, uh, or you can play it on the 3DS. So or 2DS. So there you go. Lots of options or or other other means. There's always a way to play old games on online. So. Yeah, so overall, no damage. This is uh, another rare BB undamaged game. So yes. get, out, get out there and play it if you haven't already. Um, there you go. So it was nice having you on, uh, Base Guy. Oh, thanks for having me. No problem, man. I hope you had a good time. And uh, it's nice to meet more club members and and uh, have them on the show. And Have you been on any of the CC stuff yet? Um, I go on the Hangouts pretty often. Um, I think I'm supposed to be going to be, well... 
on Dollar Dorks, I think, uh, nice. this week. So. Oh, wow. There you go. You're nice. all, all booked up. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so we, we got you before uh, Main Cartridge Club did, so... Yeah, I hassled Sean about that. I already hassled Sean about that. <laughs> Sean, what is wrong with you, man? You can't even invite people who haven't been on your show before. You had me on like three times, and you haven't invited Base Guy yet. What's wrong with you, Sean? I'm whatever. I'm glad. I'm glad he's at sea right now. He'll, <laughs> I don't, he'll I don't hear this. Like, I, I he'll, he'll, he'll hear this like a month later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a message from him later at some point. Uh, I, I, I hope he's doing well. I always, I love those guys. That's awesome. I'm really glad that you found the community, man. That's great. Good stuff. Fun times. Uh, well, let's, this is actually went longer than I thought. We were. I thought we were going to be wrapping up under an hour, but I should have known better. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Of course, cartridgeclub.org and uh, Discord or Twitter. Those are all places where you can communi- communicate. And if you're listening to us, you're probably already part of it. But if you're not, you should be. Uh, and yeah, so thank you for listening. Uh, this is Rob. Sagey. Yeah, and base guy. There we go. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us, and, and have a good one. And we're done. There we go. Easy peasy.
next week on Bonus Bonus Barrel. I don't have a fondness for the PS2. It's 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 held up as as one of the best systems of all time. A lot of people say it is the best system of all time, but I I wouldn't even put it in my top four, maybe even top five. Uh, 